Welcome to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory Garay, TJ Beater, and Kathy Garay. Each week, we talk about the connections between owners and their pets with an emphasis on topics that apply to greyhounds. If you want to hear more about your best friend, stay tuned. Now, here are your hosts. Whoa, what a great way to kickstart your weekend. Thank you for joining us here in the Rue One studio for the return of Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Heads up, the muzzles are off this time, and that is because I refuse to cease and desist. I will always speak truthfully and do what is right for the hounds and horses. Now, before I introduce one of our co-hosts, I do want to let our listeners know you can join the Rue crew by calling 866-427-5787 or 866-472-5788, or you can Twitter us at GMGP Inc. That is G-M-G-P-I-N-C. And now, joining me actually here live in the studio with me, Miss Kathy, welcome to the studio. Woohoo! And it's always better to be live in the studio than oh, yeah. the other option. <laughs> <laughs> So it's been a while, right? It has been well, technically, uh, Voice America uh, about ten years, but when we started, it was June of two thousand and four. Wow, it's been a while. Fifteen and years. And we ran for four or five years here yes. on the Voice America Network. Yep. And then we went. We did some podcasting, and we had a discussion board, and, and Facebook. Fa- now. And yeah, we've been on Facebook since uh, two thousand and eleven. Yeah, you know, you just can't stop the rue. And before we bring in our other co-host, I do want to talk about a very special lady, Carrie Morrison-Young. Those who remember the show when we were on here before, Carrie Morrison-Young was my co-host, started off with me, the first show we ever did. Carrie Morrison-Young was also the uh, president leader of Arizona Adopt-A-Greyhound, Inc. Sadly, Carrie passed away a couple of years ago. Carrie was a wonderful woman. Carrie loved her greyhounds. She loved her family. She loved Aggie. She supported everything about adoption, racing. She was just a fantastic woman, and I I miss her. I know Aggie misses her. I know her family, Bill, her husband. I know they all miss her. Uh, But one thing I think for all of us that knew Carrie, she is in our hearts. She taught us so much. And today's show is titled Can't Stop the Rue. And every year at the Aggie picnic, the last thing they always did was the roo. And you would always just see Carrie's eyes light up when all the greyhounds would just start rooing. Because she was always leading the roo off. And Carrie, you can't stop the roo because I know you're at Rainbow Bridge rooing with all the greyhounds that have crossed over. Thank you, Aggie family, for continuing her legacy in adopting the greyhounds. We know you're doing a great job. And thank you, Carrie, for all you did for us. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Carrie, and we truly miss you. Um, And now I think we need to bring on our exciting and just really cool new co-host. TJ. TJ, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Hey. My name is TJ Beter. How are you doing? (laughs) We are doing fine. How are you? I'm excited to get started with this new venture. Yeah. This well, new for me, <laughs> not new for you yeah. guys. Well, it's not like it's new for you. In Well, the show is new, but you have been around the block for a few years. It's not your first adoption regarding rodeo, and you have uh, been involved in many, many things. Um, hey, why don't we have 
have TJ tell us, tell our listeners about herself a little sure. bit. It's time for... Okay. Uh, well, I have been in Greyhound adoption for over two decades. I got started in the Tampa Bay area with Greyhound Pets of America Tampa Bay, and I am, I am still with uh, my original chapter. Um, I have, over the past couple of decades, adopted 15 Greyhounds of my own. I have fostered countless others and um, have served on the national uh, level at several different positions, and I'm currently the uh, Greyhound Welfare Advisor. Um, other than that, uh, it's been a, an incredible eye-opening experience getting to know the breed. Um, I've learned from so many different people, and we have had, uh, my chapter has actually had a I had the privilege of having a, an adoption kennel inside the kennel compound um, at Derby Lane. And I, I bring in a, a new perspective with that. Not everyone gets that opportunity, and, and I've got a, a whole whole other set of eyes that, that sees things that some people don't ever have the chance to see. You know, and that's, that is true. And I, I think maybe another good question, Kathy, for you to ask to both of us after I kind of tell a little bit about myself and you tell a bit about yourself is, has our perspective changed since we originally got in? And uh, for our listeners, my name is Rory Gray. I've been in the Greyhound adoption since 1993, was involved in California, moved to Arizona, started up a, an adoption program here. I've served on the Grey, uh, national level with Greyhound Pets of America for a number of years um, as vice president, president, um, Crap, right now I can't remember what my other position I had. believe you were compliance, compliance officer. Compliance officer, yeah. yeah. A little badge and everything. <laughs> and it was then, kind of cute. And then somebody had to go, because I, I had left, but then somebody, we won't mention her name, but her initials are TJ, um, <laughs> drag, <laughs> drags me back in. And no, 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 no. She had to get permission first. <laughs> well, yes, that is true. Um, but also, since that time, I have also uh, have a, another perspective I'm involved in. I'm a racing commissioner here in Arizona, was appointed at seven years ago by Governor Jan Brewer to serve on the Racing Commission overseeing horse and greyhound racing. Um, and that's been uh, really an eye-opener in getting involved from that aspect. Uh, so, Kathy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm blonde. I drink Starbucks, and I like to wear sunglasses. Do I need more than that? <laughs> um, well, um, I have been uh, adopting greyhounds since 1996. And uh, shortly thereafter, I began my Greyhound-related business, Greyhound Studies. I do original artwork, and I also have merchandise, uh, clothing, and accessories with uh, my original designs on them. Um, I, I, that's about it. I mean, you know, I'm kind of boring. But, no, <laughs> you're not. Uh, well, well, okay, then the other, you know, my 15 minutes of fame. Well, I, I had two. I was original, one of the hosts here uh with Greyhounds Make Great Pets on its first run. And then my other big, you know, exclamation point moment was uh, several years ago. Uh, I, well, for seven years, I did illustrations for Celebrating Greyhounds magazine. And one of my um, pieces was nominated for a Dog Writers of America award uh, for illustration. And I knew it was go not going to work out really well when the people nominated against me were 
the person who drew Heathcliff and the other one who drew Get Shorty. So I, while I was in great company, I didn't stand a chance, but that was kind of cool. I would have voted for you. Well, you better. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were discussing just a few minutes ago about has your perspective changed? And I know in 1993, when I adopted my first Greyhound, I would have probably been what you would have kind of considered um, somebody who was against racing. And since then, obviously, my perspective has changed, and more my perspective is to always do what's right for the Greyhounds and the people, men and women involved, whether it's horse racing or Greyhound racing. Uh, but what I started doing after 1993, mainly because I started asking questions of like, I remember hearing, I was at, would be at a meet and greet, and somebody would ask me a question, and I would say, oh, 50,000. And then I started questioning, where is this number coming from? I would be told how the greyhounds are treated, and I was like, well, I want to go find out for myself. Uh, so I actually came over to Arizona and, and visited uh, Phoenix Greyhound Park, Apache Junction Park, uh, Tucson Greyhound Park, uh, and at the time we had numerous farms in Arizona and started visiting them, sitting down, talking to the people. Uh, during the races, I'd go over and sit down with all the trainers and just listen to them. Actually, on Saturdays and Sundays, I would bring out donuts, bagels, and coffee, and just have a good time listening, getting to know them. And over time, my perspective really did change from, I was told probably a lot of BS, and it was a good thing that I went out and learned for myself, get to know these people. They're not terrible people. A lot of them are great, wonderful people. You get to know them, they will have you laughing. And the one thing I can tell you, the one thing you will know is they do love their animals. And I can, t from my perspective too now, is not just the d greyhounds, but the horses, all of them on the backside. I go talk to them. They love their horses. They love their greyhounds. They love animals. They respect the humane. They respect human and animals. They are true humane warriors. DJ, you have uh, any change in your perspective? Well, ironically, um, I'm coming at it from a different perspective from you. Um, whenever I was living in St. Pete, I did have the chance to visit Derby Lane. Now I, I had walked over to the paddock area, and all I saw were a bunch of happy wagging tails uh, looking at me. And, and, of course, they have the, a, a, a bar-type petition there where you couldn't get to the dogs that were awaiting their next race. Um, and I was actually just quite jealous and um the thought occurred to me at that time well, i wonder what happens whenever they get older and they aren't able to run and when i started making inquiries they sent me to what was then gpa largo or greyhound pets of america largo and i was volunteering uh pretty much from that point on um i never had an experience of seeing or hearing anything um other than a positive thing. I mean, like I said, I saw the happy wagging tails and they were, you know, looking at me and all I wanted to do at that time was just get my hands on one. <laughs> and um, when I started volunteering before we got our kennel in the compound, um, we would be, have to be there early in the morning on a pickup day from kennels to pick up the retiring greyhounds. Um, that that was, became one of my duties as a volunteer. And... The first kennel I ever went into was Chuck Marriott's. Uh, 
a lot of people in the adoption community and, of course, in the industry know exactly who I'm talking about. And I was very nervous because, I mean, after watching the dogs run and seeing the demeanor that I had seen there with my own eyes, it, it, I, I didn't really know what to expect, but I was already a little bit awestruck by the fact that someone could, could have the knowledge that they had to have these dogs just so happy and excited and eager and, and things of that nature. And so I go knocking on Chuck's door and he slings the door open and he's like, what do you want? <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Scared me to death. <laughs> um, but um, as I got to know Chuck and he got to know my face as a, as a familiar one, things were very different. Um, I learned a lot from him. Every time we went and picked up a dog from him, he always handed us a check for the vetting of the dog and um, learned a lot of things about the dogs. And, and whenever I would wind up adopting one, um, an interesting little story about one, his name was Automatic Pilot. Um, I had been going into the kennel. He was with Charter Kennel and his trainer was Rodney Cooley. I'll give Rodney a plug there. Um, he told me all kinds of funny stories about Pilot's litter. He was apparently a part of a very mischievous litter and they had a, a through a going away party for the entire litter because they were always in so much trouble getting into <laughs> mischief <laughs> and uh, he proceeded to tell me all kinds of wonderful things about them he actually had the, the entire litter, litter with him in, in the kennel and uh, lots of wonderful stories and the culmination of that was I did get a chance to see him again as after he moved out of St. Pete it was, oh gosh, probably maybe 15 years, and I hadn't seen him or anything like that. And I had a, an opportunity to meet, meet him again at the Hall of Fame in Abilene a couple of years ago. And I walked up to him and reintroduced myself and reminded him that I was the one that had adopted Automatic Pilot. <laughs> and the first thing he did was immediately his eyes lit up, and he, he could spout off to me that moment the sire and dom everything about the litter again he was calling people over and, and telling them you know the whole story as well and even as you fast forward through the years I, i'm never it, it never ceases to amaze me just how much they know how they remember and and truly how involved they are with all of these dogs and to, to just grasp the fact that out of the hundreds of, and I'm sure thousands of dogs that, that they, they have their hands on, that they can remember things that are small details or cute details. Yep. They're, they're really a great source of information. So my perspective is different from yours in that I never even knew that there would be someone that would not appreciate what the dogs actually do and the people that that work with them right so i'm coming at it from that perspective well you know with what you said i remember when i adopted my first greyhound uh we were told because i stupidly i guess asked a question hey do we ever uh, talk to the trainers the people who are in the kennels with these dogs to you know get information from them because in adoption our goal is to place the right greyhound with the right home and, you know, any information you could get about this dog's personality, its characteristics, would be great. I was flat out told, no, 
those people at the track have no useful information for us. And over the time, I've learned that is to be completely wrong. Um, actually, some of the best dogs I've got was straight out of the kennel by the, and getting the information from the kennel people as to that dog's uh, personality. Now, my first dog, I will also tell you, when I came over here to Arizona and I was talking to a, a buddy, I forget his last name, he was out at Apache Junction, and I'm sitting there. It was on one of my donut um, bagel days. And I was telling him, I gave him the name of my dog, and he just stopped, put his hand up and stopped me, and he said, scar on her back, dark brindle, wonderful dog. She was not in my kennel, but she was a great greyhound. And, yeah, they know not even just their own dogs. They know about the dogs in the other kennels, and these people are a wealth of knowledge. I, 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 and that's my belief. They, they can tell us more about the Greyhound than I think some adoption people can. I will agree with that, Rory. Um, and, even, and that does even apply to the ones that aren't doing so very well on the track. The very first Greyhound that I did adopt, his name was Charlie, and he came out of a, a kennel uh, named Castellani. Uh, I'd been, had him for about two years, and we would go to the track. Uh, to, to walk the greyhounds around and introduce the greyhounds to the patrons there at the track. And um, my Charlie, I think the best he ever did was break his maiden, which means he won one official race. Uh, uh, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and uh, we were walking out. My daughter and myself were walking out um, after everything was over, and we happened to be coming down the elevator, and a guy got on the elevator, and I saw Charlie start wagging his tail, you know, and kind of going toward the guy. The guy stepped back, and he looked at him for a minute, and he goes, is that Charlie? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he introduced himself, <laughs> and he was one of the Castellani brothers. Um, remembered Charlie very well. Like I said, and Charlie was not their stellar athlete. He just, you know, it wasn't his thing. Uh, and I got a few more stories about Charlie. Um, so those experiences for me also just reinforce the fact to me that it's not just the ones that race well. It's the ones that they are, are with, again, every single day. They never forget them. They're always happy to see them. And I've personally never had an experience where a trainer, if approached or asked about something or, a, you know, even a kennel helper, a kennel worker, yeah, um, if they remember your dog and, you know, I'm sure the trainers probably remember a lot more than some of the kennel hands, but they, they don't forget. And the dogs do not forget who has cared for them before you did. Exactly. Well, let me ask both of you a question, because you do have a lot of involvement with, um, you know, going to tracks, going behind the scenes, talking to trainers, talking to owners. Do you feel, um, because of social media within, say, the last five, seven to five years, the, the racing industry's involvement and um, interaction with the common adopter has changed a lot of views as to what they do what they don't do regarding the greyhounds well, ladies first 
Well, I guess that would be me. That would be Um, you, because I asked the question, so you're on the spot. (laughs) I would say absolutely. Um, Social media, for me, is one of those things that I love to hate and hate to love. Um, But there has been, over the past couple of decades, long before Facebook, when there wasn't as much of an opportunity for a trainer or even a racing owner or, you know, a breeder to interact unless it was via phone call or a letter or something like that with the bringing in of, of a, a social media like Facebook or, or Twitter even or Instagram, whatever you might be on, there are so many more connections being made and people find out more and more and more uh, about the past of their pet. And I do see a lot of positive interaction. I've seen a lot of people get enlightened and anyone that has the opportunity to connect with a, a trainer, a breeder, and, and I have gone to my fair share of farms, I have actually laid down on the ground and wallowed on the ground with greyhound puppies. And um, you know, at the farms, it's, it's a wonderful experience. And just being able to watch and piece together things from your dog's past and from the breed's past uh, in, in speaking with breeders. And that could get me off on a whole other <laughs> topic about, about what care they take. They don't just randomly breed these greyhounds. Right. They take a lot of time and do a lot of research into the genetics, into the, the traits that individual dogs have. And, and that's how they keep the breed pure. Exactly. They don't just do things willy-nilly. So that was one of the great things I found out about visiting farms. Um, so all of this probably does get interconnected. Um, I don't know that I would have actually met a lot of breeders if it weren't for social media because most of the breeders were not in my back door there at Derby Lane. Um, as you know, a lot of them are. There were, are some in Florida. Um, but there's a lot in the Midwest, and being able to make that connection was a, a wonderful thing. So in that aspect, um, I, I do love Facebook and, and seeing people make those connections for themselves. Exactly. and I mean, I, I just see what's going on now, and I've yet to run into a breeder who did not want to talk about their dogs or you know if you've adopted one of their dogs is not willing to talk to you about it that's true um it's not only just that they care about their dogs while they're in their care and then when they go off to the track everyone that i've met they still care about them after they've their new career when they've gone into adoption and they they want to help that be successful and like tj i've been blessed at where i've been able to go to farms tracks uh kennels nationwide and and get to see these things and interact with the people face to face but seeing what they're doing now, coming out of, coming out onto social media and being willing to talk with uh, adopters about their dogs and maybe some little quirk that the dog had that they didn't know about, and they mentioned, "Hey, my dog's doing this." Is like, "Oh yeah, your dog. That's what he did in the kennel." Um, it's just really to me remarkable. And just for our listeners, we will in a couple of weeks be doing some. Uh, recording with a lot of breeders in Abilene, Kansas, and presenting that on a future show. So you will get to hear from actual breeders as to what they do, 
how they care for these dogs, what they do to raise them. And I think that's going to be a fun show for everyone to hear. But yes, the uh, social media has changed a lot. And also in a couple of weeks or three, two weeks or three weeks, we're going to have now anyone who's on social media right now in the Greyhound world, when I say The Rock, Dennis McKeon, you're going to, you know who I'm talking about. Dennis is going to be joining us. And I, I personally, for my own pack at home, I have learned a few things from Dennis that has actually helped change what we do at home and I think has made our interaction with our pets that much greater. And I think for their health has helped out great. So I'm looking, really looking forward to when, I always call him The Rock, but Dennis McKean, when we have him on, he is going to be a great show in the future. And for our listeners, uh, either for our show right now or for shows in the future, you can write this down. Uh, you can call in and we can take your calls and chat with you, or you can ask us questions, say hi, whatever. Have you your can, dogs root. We're cool with that. You can call me names. Everybody does. Uh, the phone lines here at Voice America are 866-427-5788. Seven or 5788. You can also Twitter us at GMGP Inc. That is G-M-G-P-I-N-C. And for those of you on Facebook, you can find our Facebook page at Greyhounds Make Great. And that's spelled G-R-E-A-T Pets. We'd love to have you join us, like us, and uh, share some stories with us. And just so you know, we will be going to break here shortly, but when we come back, we will be having a special segment. I'm not going to give you the name of it now. And we will then dive into, both TJ and I, as to what makes a greyhound a pet. But I want to disclose first, before we get into that, all dogs have the capability to be a great pet. But we're going to dive into as to why the greyhound is raised at a farm goes off to training track, goes to track, goes to another track, and then goes to adoption program. Why that Greyhound is immediately, whether you pick them up at the track, at the farm, or through an adoption program, why are they a great pet? And me and Kathy, you and I have taken dogs straight from the farm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we're laughing because uh, we broke one of the cardinal rules of greyhound adoption, and that is don't get a greyhound puppy. It's not a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing. It's a great thing. They're the, they're the cutest little things, and it's good that they are because uh, they're nicknamed little land sharks. Well, and I'll give some advice for our listeners right now. If you do adopt a greyhound puppy and you are traveling and you got to spend the night in the hotel the first night and you don't have them in a crate, you better be wearing a cup because <laughs> he's going to jump. He or she's going to be jumping up and down or landing on you. Um, but we've taken dogs, and I know, TJ, you have also taken, I think, dogs straight from the farm, straight from the kennel and from adoption program, and every one of them, right, has been a great pet? Well, I think we've loved Well, of course, that, that perspective is exactly right. Uh, from day one, I was actually picking, picking them up the track, uh, and moving moving them into either my home as a foster or into other foster homes. Uh, so that perspective is, again, for me, and my memories of it are very clear and very vivid and have always been in a, a positive manner. 
So um, I'm anxious to get started on that topic oh, yeah. to why they make great pets. Right. And before we do go to break, I just want to remind everyone, if you have the capability to adopt, please do adopt, whether that be a horse, a greyhound, a pit bull, a wiener dog, uh, shelter, shelter, shelter pets, pet, yeah. a cat. Do what, do what your heart leads you to, but you know, give some consideration to opening up your home, your yard, uh, your farm to an ex-racing horse or an ex-racing greyhound, or as I said again, a pit bull, uh, wiener dog. Cat. You know, we do have wiener races out here in Arizona. That we do. And those are hilarious. If you ever get a chance to go to a wiener race, please do. Just don't be hanging out. But I'm bum. Wrong. <laughs> but That's why we don't let you out of the house much. No. But we will be talking about what makes a greyhound a great pet. And remember, for those who are have other pets, you know, we're, we're not being snobbed. Well, maybe we are. But we also know in the greyhound world, people have other dogs. I can tell uh, TJ, you and I both have a friend, Lisa. Uh, she has a Galgo. And I just got to see her a few weeks ago. And you could just see the bond, the love between Lisa and her Galgo. Oh, Nelson is adorable. Um, it, it, it's just there. Uh, but, you know, when we do come back, we are going to specifically dive into why the Greyhound is a great pet. And many of you who may not understand it, I think when we're done, you will have a great understanding as to why a Greyhound is a great pet. And again, our numbers here at Voice America are 866-472-5787 and 5788. Twitter, sure, you can do that. We're at GMGP Inc. GMGP Inc. Well, now stay tuned for Blondieville. Wondering exactly what would happen if I mixed apples and oranges? I'm Kathy, and you have entered Blondieville, where the only road sign is, caution, blonde thinking. This year's Great Global Greyhound Walk is Sunday, June 9th, 2019. The Global Greyhound Walk began 10 years ago as a way to unite greyhound owners all over the world in a walk to promote greyhounds. Show everyone how awesome greyhound adoption is. Check with your local adoption group and find out if they have a walk scheduled. If they don't, call your friends, grab a leash, don't forget the poop bags, and sashay around town with your greyhounds. Also on Sunday, June 9th, Greyhound Pets of America, Greater Northwest, will be holding a meet and greet from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. at Petco Bellevue, located at 15600 Northeast 8th Street in Bellevue, Washington. Come on out and chat with the volunteers about their greyhounds as well as greyhounds available for adoption and, and fill out an application for pre-adoption approval. Do you live in Long Island or New York City and would like to adopt an ex-racing greyhound? Oh, I, do I have a group for you! Long Island Greyhound Connection in West Babylon, New York currently has a selection of greyhounds and one of them could be your new BFF. Courtney, Purple Rain, Rambo, and Swish are just a few of the friendly fuzzy faces available at LIGC. To find out more, visit the Long Island Greyhound Connection website at www.ligc.org, visit their Facebook page, or just give them a call at 631-388-2202. Catch kicks 
live at Club XL in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania on Saturday, June 15th. The show starts at 7 p.m. Visit www.kicksband.com, that's K-I-X-B-A-N-D, to get more Kicks concert and tour updates. Just a reminder yet again that our phone lines here at Voice America are open. So call the Roo Crew at 866-472-5788 with your questions. Or if you just want to say hi, you can also contact us. And you know this because I've repeated it like the third time via Twitter at GMGP Inc. That's G-M-G-P-I-N-C. And speaking of the Roo Crew, which would be, of course, Rory, TJ, and yours truly, we will be in Abilene, Kansas, attending the Heart of America Greyhound Gathering on June 20th through 22nd, 2019. Technically, we'll all have on name tags, so we should be easy to spot if you'd like to say hi. Or not. The Heart of America Greyhound Gathering is a fun weekend that allows you to learn about the formative years and early training of your adopted X-Racing Greyhound. Highlights include speakers, activities, a wild and wonderful live auction, and organized trips to several Greyhound farms where you can meet oodles and oodles of Greyhound puppies who are ready to wrap you around their little paws as they smother you with love. Can I get a squee? Squee! Heart of America is a fundraiser for Halfway Home Greyhound Adoption in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Royce Images Photography in York, Pennsylvania offers custom photography by an experienced photographer with a, an extensive portfolio featuring a unique and creative approach to any session. Royce Images is committed to photos that are natural and realistic that capture the truest essence of each moment. From engagement and wedding sessions to families, children, newborns, and pets too. You can arrange your commercial or product sessions as well as get new professional business photos. With Royce Images Photography, you can truly have it all. To schedule an appointment, contact Royce Images Photography at 717-887-4860 or visit their website or Facebook page. Make plans now to attend the 31st Annual Greyhound Homecoming and Make Peace Picnic on Saturday, September 21st in Hopewell Township, New Jersey to benefit Make Peace with Animals, who will be celebrating 31 years of helping greyhounds find their forever homes. Find out more by visiting their website at www.makepeacewithanimals.org. And while you're making travel plans with your greyhounds and sighthounds, don't forget the Dewey Gathering in Dewey Beach, Delaware. It's the only free, fun, and fabulous event in Dewey running from October 10th through October 14th. Visit the Dewey Gathering events and activities page or the Dewey Gathering message board, both on Facebook, to learn more. Okay, and if you're really into planning ahead, don't miss the first sighthound bash of the 2020 season. The Solvang Gathering is an annual event held in picturesque Solvang, California on January 9th through the 12th. That's right, 2020. It's a weekend filled with sighthounds, greyhounds and galgos, patenkos, oh my! Uh, whippets and iggies too, who come together with their owners for an event that's truly focused on the hounds of the world. Join us! Be sure to like and follow the Solvang Gathering on Facebook. The Dewey Gathering and the Solvang Gathering Hounds of the World are both sponsored by Greyhounds Make Great Pets. And that's what's happening in Blondieville this week. You are listening to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory, TJ, and Kathy. To find out more about the show and what we do, 
please send an email to gmgp3 at yahoo.com. That's gmgp3 at yahoo.com. Now, back to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Greyhounds Make Great Pets on Voice America Variety Channel. I am Kathy. I am here with my plucky co-hosts, my root crew members, Rory and TJ. And we're going to go into a new segment we have here. And Well, it's got to be new because this is our first show. Well, duh. Could you point out I'm blonde anymore? <laughs> All right. Well, it's actually Rory's segment, and um, well, I think we're going to start the, the segment right now. What the hell? I take safety seriously. We have people's lives, horses' lives at risk, and if if we're not taking safety seriously, what the hell? I am Rory, and this is my what the hell moment. I want to read something to you from a trainer. Actually, it was a horse trainer, a good friend. who She's currently right now training, running her horses up at Arizona Downs in the Prescott Valley. But what she had to say, I think uh, we would all agree here in the Rue studio that many of the Greyhound people have said the same thing or could say the same thing. But let me read what she had to say. Open your eyes. This group won't take the time to find solutions. Just seek and destroy animals and the humans who love them. If they want to see love of four-legged animals, come to my barn or farm. Shameful group. And they should be the ones who need to be shut down, not our love of thoroughbred racing, or as for the greyhound people, not their love for the greyhound racing. Now, the organization she was reading about, uh, reading about I was reading the, a report from the Virginia Department of Agriculture Consumer Services, and they had this to state in their following report. 290 of the animals in 2010, they read the animal custody records and they were reviewed and they found 17 or 6% recorded as adopted or in a foster home. 273 or 94% recorded as euthanized. Of these 245 or 90% that were euthanized, it was done within 24 hours. Who are these humane advocates? Unfortunately, these humane advocate protectors, they're talking to Santa Anita Racetrack, trying to promote what they feel is animal welfare on the horse industry. What the hell? Why are we listening to people who themselves have a 90% kill rate? You want to talk safety, you come and talk to the real people, the people who love and care for their horses, their greyhounds. That's the people you need to engage, not these freaking lunatics who have a 90% kill rate. I mean, what the hell? And that was another installment, or actually our first installment, of What the Hell with Rory. <laughs> uh, and we'll be bringing you more What the Hell segments as uh, situations determine and if he's got anything to rage about well and you know really with santa anita we just heard today they had another horse horse euthanized yes unfortunately they need to cut this organization off call the people who know what they're doing it's just shameful that that is true and hopefully it will be resolved very soon and you know for the betterment of all both the horses and um, you know the public in general because that's not it's it's not well done. Well, and you heard, uh, and TJ, I think you could 
pipe in here. We both have talked to people at the farms, at the kennels. They care. And when there is a horse or a greyhound um, gets injured, families are crying. They, they really do care. And a lot of them are working and trying to make, make it better. We don't need help from people who are putting down animals within 24 hours at a 90% rate. That is just disturbing. Well, I absolutely agree with that, nor do we need the help of organizations who don't even own or operate any sort of animal shelter or society whatsoever, Um, or just people who have decided that because they don't like something, they're going to force their philosophies down someone else's throat, uh, and they actually have an experience being at farms being inside kennels, and I do believe there have been invitations extended, uh, those are not the ones to talk to. They are not the ones to talk to. Talk to reputable adoption groups. Um, They can be found. There are some, uh, if you go to the National Greyhound Association website, there is a list of recommended adoption agencies. They will know because, to be honest, it, is, it will be the ones who spend their lives with the animals, from the breeders, the trainers, and the adoption groups. And, and the adoption groups, by the way, and I'm going to steal this phrase that I read on Facebook, they are at the very epicenter of greyhound welfare. Those are the ones you ask, not the ones who have donate buttons that pays their own salaries, pays for them to fly around the world, pays for them to lobby, pays for them to, you know, wine and dine politicians. Exactly. Well, so the, the, those, those are the ones you don't get your information from. Get your information from the people who are literally devoting their entire lives to, to greyhounds, to horses, to legitimate animal shelters um, who, who do work very, very hard. My very first dog came from an, an animal shelter, uh, a non-greyhound. Uh, she, she did learn to love greyhounds. She was um, a mixed breed, <laughs> uh, mostly Rhodesian Ridgeback, and she had a very big attitude. Um, and I always encourage people to do that. But you need to talk to the people who spend their lives volunteering um, or, or training or have bred them from birth. Those are the ones that have the information and the correct information. Well, exactly. And there is a huge difference between hands-on, whether you are an adoption person or a trainer or, you know, someone behind the scenes at the track, or if you are a person um, in the halls of a a statehouse somewhere lobbying to get people to see things your way. Exactly. I know uh, there's one individual, one of the humane advocate protectors, his... uh, his ammo is, um, you know, I've been sourced in all these magazines and papers. It's like, well, yeah, so you can write. You don't know diddly squat about raising a greyhound. You don't know diddly squat about the proper care and treatment of a greyhound. You don't know diddly squat about what these people do daily to raise these animals, these horses, these greyhounds. You guys just have an agenda, and it is not a humane agenda. Well, and, you know, another thing that we do in the greyhound adoption world is we refer to our pack 
And that that's a good thing because, you know, some of our listeners may not realize that when greyhound puppies are growing up, they are with their, their litter mates and they stay with them for an extended period of time, learning the ropes of puppydom and interacting. Um, they're often with their their moms, too. Right. Um, they learn a pack mentality and a pack makeup. Um, they learn their jobs. Uh, all of us at home with, with adoptables snoozing on our beds and couches. Uh, take a look at them. Look at them closely. Each one of them has a job once they have been adopted. Exactly. And I, I don't know how much more time we have today, but so that we can at least get into the subject. We will, um, Tanya, why don't you... Um, Tell us a little bit uh, why you believe, or uh, TJ, why you believe that uh, greyhounds are a great pet. Well, I would like to say mine is going to actually go back to exactly what Kathy was talking about. Um, the pack mentality, uh, the way they're raised, the way they are trained, the way adoption groups take them in and prepare them for their next phase of life once they've retired. Uh, the, the, the entire cycle of life of a greyhound is unique in so many ways. They are purpose-driven animals, and they are very used to their packs. They are within a pack at a farm. They're within a pack at their racing kennel, and then they become a part of your pack at home. Um, and Many times people don't understand, and this is going to bust a myth right off the bat here. Um, much like what Kathy said, they each have a job. One of the popular myths out there is oh, this dog is timid, therefore this dog must be abused. That is absolutely not true, and anyone that has done any research into dogs in particular will understand that they each have personalities much like people. Just because a person is shy, you don't run around saying that person was abused. Right. And that is, that is exactly the same with the dogs. Um, I did have a breeder hook me up with a, a, an actual genetics book. Uh, it's called Genetics and the Social Behavior of the Dog. Oh, that sounds cool. And they, they do go into a lot of, because dogs are originated from wolves, they go into a lot of that. And what happens in a pack of wolves whenever a they get their jobs, so to speak. A timid one actually makes a good guard dog simply because, or guard wolf, if now that we're talking about wolves, but the same does apply to the dogs. Um, they're the ones that would be on the lookout for things that may harm the pack or may steal the, the pack's food. Um, so this is a type of a genetic thing yeah. that people have, that dogs have. Just because you get a shy or a timid greyhound does not mean that the dog has been abused. It is a, a trait of that particular dog, and that particular dog fits well into the pack, just like that particular wolf fit well into the pack of wolves. And that frees up the, the more, I'm going to just say a warrior-type uh, wolf to go out and, and get the food, bring the food in, um, you know, do more of the protecting. It puts them on alert. So, and that's actually in the first part of this book, and I would encourage anybody to read it. Some of the things are a little bit over my head because I'm not a <laughs> genetic specialist, but I do know, have learned and have read a lot about that. 
Um, it is, I believe you can purchase it online as well um, in some, on some of the you know, online bookstores and things like that or Kindles. Um, it was written by John Paul Scott and John L. Fuller. And that's actually in the first part where they, they actually address that uh, and the pack mentalities and the pack behaviors and what makes it work. Right. And that is something that makes greyhounds such great pets because they are always a part of a pack right until the time they get into your home and beyond. And again, that, the name of that book is Genetics and the Social Behavior of the Dog. I'm a, I'm so that's my, my contribution today for um, a good read right. and a good insight into why they make such great pets. Well, I, I'm going to talk about, because with, with what you just talked about, TJ, I had a greyhound. His name was Scotty. He was a, what some would have called a spook. He was, he was just kind of shy. Uh, but I actually had the privilege of one time having a litter of puppies born. I had the house next door, and there's an office in the back in that backyard. And so that's where the mom dog was, and she had her puppies there. Well, and this was because the dog came into the adoption group. And yeah. They didn't know that. Yeah, she was already knocked up when she came to us. <laughs> I, I guess it, it was uh, some crazy night out in Abilene. Anyways, she when she had her puppies, Scotty immediately, um, he, you know, I hadn't even taken them over to the other yard. He had not even gone into that building, but he knew there was puppies over there, and he immediately was going out and patrolling the perimeter of our yard, our fence, going up and down, patrolling, woofing, making sure he was going to protect the new members of, as we call our pack, the tribe. Uh, but for me, I, I do believe one of the things that makes them a great pet, and I, I want our listeners to understand, our greyhounds were not born to be pets. They were born to have a job. They were go- they're going to be runners. But the thing that I believe that really starts them off, because any dog can be a great pet if it's in a loving environment, you know, cared for, treated well and you've heard tanya and i tj and i both say we've been to farms we've been to kennels i see the same thing in the kennels at the farm in the dog's eyes and how they're acting as i see in my dogs my greyhounds at my house i'm seeing the same thing they're loved they're cared for they're enjoying what they're doing and the best thing i think too is they are learning first from their mom and their litter mates, before, and then they move on, but they're happy because they have a job and they're loved and cared for. That, to me, is the key. You take any dog, you eventually get him into an environment where he, he or she is loved and cared for, that dog will become a great pet. Greyhounds, while they were not bred to be great pets, they are great pets from the get-go because of what the greyhound industry is doing with them, how they raise them, how they treat them, how they care for them. I mean, when they're racing, wouldn't any of us love to have this medical plan where we are uh, checked out by our doctor twice on a day, like every three days? I mean, we, go, we maybe go to the doctor once every, what, three, four months. These greyhounds are getting checked out by a licensed veterinarian on race date twice, and then oftentimes even more. They're cared for, and it's not just because... They're, they're seen about 30 times a month when they're actively racing. Yeah. So that, that's, a, to me, that I mean, that's an average of once a day that a vet is actually going over that dog. Yeah. Uh, that That's what the average is. How yeah. many people do that with their pets? 
Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Number one, we couldn't afford it. <laughs> That's why I learned to trim my tribe's nails. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a good point. But, you know, every... Every step of their life, even though they were not born bred to be a pet, everything they do from the day they're born to the day they leave the track, the farm, and come into an adoption program into our homes has been what makes them a great pet. Now, I do want people to understand, you know, these dogs are, they weren't bred to be pets. They're bred to be, you know, they're, they're going to be racers. They're going to run. So don't freak out when you see that they maybe go chasing after something small. That's what that's in their genetics. They're going to do that. Uh, Sasha, our little puppy that we adopted, that the reason I would have needed to wear a cup at the hotel, his job is to go searching in all our flower beds to make sure he chases out any little baby birds that have fallen in there or anything else. Uh, so that's his job. But that, folks, the greyhound racing industry in my belief, is what makes the greyhounds a great pet. The way they breed them, the way they treat them, the way they raise them, the love and care that they give to those dogs. Well, I will definitely second that because my the first greyhound I adopted, I mean, everyone told me he was, oh my gosh, you're so spoiled, he's just so perfect, so this, so that. But bottom line is he would not have acted so well in my home had he not been treated well during his career of racing. Um, you know, every dog, no matter where you go. I grew up with AKC, you know, dogs with papers and, and all this stuff. And, you know, they, they had their quirks, too. I mean, just because, he's, you know, your pet is a little afraid of something or, you know, eats a bird in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you know, We have homeless kitties. Um, they bring me lovely little snakes and decapitated birds at least you know all of our tribe has always brought us a whole bird <laughs> but but i, I would I, I think tj you could probably say this too i would encourage anyone to really if you're gonna love your greyhound at home it is really critical that you go learn about the full aspect of your greyhound learn about the farm life learn about the track learn about the adoption process you've got to know the whole thing to know and love your greyhound. And with that, I... I, I oh. do totally agree. I do totally agree with that. You have to do your research yourself, and that doesn't mean sitting down at the Google search engine and typing in greyhound racing or greyhound abuse or greyhound this or greyhound that. Dig a little deeper because you're going to get a lot of first... The first ones you see are going to be ads. Yep. Eight ads by multi-million dollar corporations um, that don't know about the dogs. So do a little more research, and, and that, you'll, you'll find your answers there. And exactly. I think that's our advice for the day. Do and, your research. And upcoming shows, we will be giving you even more information that will help you with your bond between greyhounds, horses, wiener dogs, whatever. Uh, but it has been a fantastic return. I am happy that we decided to come back because we have a lot of information to give everyone about greyhounds, horses, and the racing aspect. So thank you for having taken some of your time today with us. We thank you. Enjoy your weekend. We love all of you, and we love our hounds. And we will see you next week here on Voice America with more Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Uh, you can check our social media site off of uh, Voice America, and if you weren't able to listen live, you can check out our 
broadcasts uh, because you can listen to them and, and at a later date at your convenience with a bucket of popcorn. We don't mind. Um, yeah. And next week's show, we are going to be talking about the Irish Greyhounds. We're going green. Ooh. Because, you know, those dogs are just like ours, if I'm told. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the show after that, we do have, um, well, like I said, Dennis McKean will be joining us at some point in time. We also have... Um, we're going to have a Galgo show We're going to have a Galgo, a Galgo show, show. We also have a show about um, horse racing eventually, maybe. And with that, I want to thank you, everyone. Happy weekend. Oh! Thank you for listening this week to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Please join your hosts, Rory Goray, TJ Beater, and Kathy Goray for another edition of our program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week.